Welcome to the Akiyama Brothers Song to Screen Podcast, hosted by Mark and Landon Akiyama. In episode 26, Mark and Landon swing into an alternate reality talking about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. They discuss the web of legalities around the Spider-Man intellectual property, Sony's unique animation, the score, and production of the new innovative hit. Find out more at AkiyamaMusic.com. Merry Christmas, Mark. Actually, it's Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. By the time we're recording this, it'll be on its way to New Year's by the time this episode is released. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, how you doing? I'm good. Still you sound sick. a little nasally? Still sick. This universe isn't sitting well with you, right? No, my atoms don't like being here. <laughs> well, sadly, we'll get you on your way unless Spider-Man from 2099 shows up with his... Spider-Verse hopping dimensional device that can keep your atoms intact. That's too many Easter eggs in one intro. Anyway. If you've seen Spider-Man, you'll know what we're talking about. (laughs) Anyway, before we get to this episode, we just want to say thank you to the new subscribers to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and also those of you on Overcast. And thank you to our new subscribers on YouTube. Also, so the Moment Ambassador program, um, if you haven't got Christmas gifts for people, it's it's kind of late already, but you could get them New Year's gifts. That's always good. <laughs> um, so if you go to Moment, they have lenses that connect directly to your smartphone, either iPhone or Android or Google phones, that all those kind of phones. So they have different lenses that, that enhance your phone's... Uh, even if your phone doesn't have superpowers, you can enhance it with a special lens. Like a super soldier lens. Wrong movie. Yeah. Totally. A spider bite for your phone. This metaphor is not working out. Anyway, <laughs> if you pick, they have a bunch of different lenses. They have a wide angle lens, a telephoto lens, a macro lens, and a really, really cool cinematic anamorphic lens that uh, I recently just got and I'm still playing around with. So if you see some really wide shots on my instagram <laughs> that's because i'm using an anamorphic lens so yeah use our moment link and you'll save save a little bit and a little bit goes back to help out the podcast which is always great so thank you very much speaking of gift giving you can gift a gift your support to the song screen podcast and mark and i by becoming a patreon member yes that's right folks we do have a patreon members page um there's about four tiers that you can subscribe to um to donate to the podcast are the top level is called the announcer and that's probably one of my favorite where you can have the opportunity to record the introduction of an episode yeah so check out the patreon page for more information on that and we list all the tiers and everything so it'd be great if you want to become a producer of the podcast and support okay so what are we talking about today Today, we are talking about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the new Sony Spider-Man movie that just came out. That's right. It's taken the box office. Yeah. So, Sony's made two recent ones, two recent Spider-Mans. They did Venom, which I liked. I thought that was cool. And then this new one, the animated version of Spider-Man, where they incorporate a bunch of different Spider-Men. Right. 
Which you said, the, you said that they teased um, the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse at the end of Venom. Yeah, they did. Uh-huh. They showed one of the chase scenes. Now, if you're wondering why there's so many Spider-Man movies coming out recently, uh, you have the ones from exclusively from Marvel, the ones from exclusively from Sony. Well, this new Into the Spider-Verse Spider-Man movie kind of pokes fun at itself as a typical comic book movie. And so you expect it to have over-the-top fight scenes, a lot of dramatic scenes. So it kind of pokes fun at itself that it's doing all of that stuff. There's about six spider people in this movie, and each one has a different backstory, and some of those are from different universes. And so it's kind of confusing um, because back in the 1990s, Marvel sold most of its movie rights to uh, for many of the characters that they created. So, um, so they no, no longer had the legal right to to produce... Spider-Man movies because they sold Spider-Man specifically to Sony. But in 2015, they started a cross-license deal that lets Marvel Studios use Spider-Man in its own movies, but Sony still gets to use the other characters like Venom. That's why we had the Sony Venom movie. And there's also Black Cat and Silver Sable standalone movie coming out exclusively by Sony. So the deal is Into the Spider-Verse falls into this kind of deviation uh, because it, it tells a different story rather than the Peter Parker that we're used to. Instead, it focuses on the Miles Morales Spider-Man. Um, and it also uses a medium different from live action. So instead of the previously seen live action movies that we've we've watched, like the Tobey Maguire, the Andrew Garfield, the Tom Holland, we actually get to see it in an animated version now. Um, and the animation is really cool, and I don't know if we'll have time to get into that, but if we do, I'd really love it. Uh, so that's why it's kind of... This Spider-Man canonizes a lot of, or can, by canonizing means like it, it, it establishes its legitimacy or, or the legitimacy of the, the previous movies that those actually happened. Um, so Into the Spider-Verse canonizes most of the other movies that came before it, um, like the Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire ones and the Andrew Garfield ones, kind of to, again, to poke fun at itself that, yeah, we know we came out with all these Spider-Men and it's... Kind of funny we keep redoing it, but here's another one and hope you enjoy. So Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is um, Sony's animated version of a Spider-Man movie. And basically they could take anything that's come before and any other live action Spider-Man and then throw it into this one. So that's why you have like six different Spider-Man in different uh, dimensions and everything. And they have different styles. It's really cool because the composer, Daniel Pemberton, actually um, got to write write different six different styles of spider-man themes for the movie um all revolving around the main character miles morales um and it's really cool because they also came out with uh, an album of all the songs that were specifically written for the movie by contemporary artists today and and oh yeah yeah so he had the i guess the opportunity to collaborate with some of these artists and bring in what they're doing into the score yeah, so the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse brings all six or six different Spider-Men and Spider-People, I guess, because there's... <laughs> there's Spider-Gwen. And then Spider-Pig also. So, yeah, it brings all these characters together and then what what's happening, um, why they're all together is part of the reason that the plot line happens and what takes place and how they get back and, and what, what the deal is. So, 
it was cool seeing all these different takes of Spider-Man that we know because there have been so many versions and everything. So all of them in one film um, was also really cool to see. And the animation was really neat. Different style and everything. And they really worked to get a, a unique style. And then even the music was was special too. Oh, yeah. Um, part of the main production people, Philip Lord and Christopher Miller, the two producers and screenwriters and the story writers for this film, they mostly wanted to push how conventional animated movies are made. Um, so I guess traditionally now animated movies are made with CG animation. That's computer-generated animation. Um, but they wanted to push the creators to set aside that CG animation mentality and start from scratch and try and incorporate more hand drawings into the art, into the finished product. Um, so that's why that's why you see a lot of the different uh, comic book-esque elements finding their way into this animated movie. Um, so you have things like uh, like Bende dots, hatch lines. Um, what are those? The Bende dots are a series of usually three different colored dots, and those are made to create different depths. Um, they use that on a lot of comic books, uh, mostly because they wanted to save on money for printers. So, because printing in color can be difficult and costly. So, in the early comic books, they started using different style, different colored dots um, to create depth and, and different shadings. And then the hatch lines, hatch lines are just mostly like um, parallel cross lines to add texture. That's why you see a lot of those textures um, on the faces of each person, like Miles and his dad. You can see the textures a lot. And Sony did a lot for the with the animation pipeline. So because Philip Lord and and Christopher Miller wanted to push the boundaries of animation, Sony Pictures Imageworks, a the visual effects studio at Sony, they had to create new tools to allow these new processes to to make this movie. Um, and so they. They came out with um, about several different kinds of software just to make this film, um, and which developing software is a project in and of itself. Um, so a few of those are are pretty interesting, um, and the most they're mostly to facilitate the two D artists to make their job a little a little bit faster um, and a little bit more efficient. I don't have to get into the, to the depths of the the software, but just know that it is pretty interesting. I think Sony does have grounds um, to patent this t- technology. It's it is really new. It's not new that to add two D anim- hand drawn animation to CG animation, but it's new in the way that Sony imagined this movie and how they how they kind of executed it. Um, because the C- there's not a CG animated frame that doesn't have any two D ornaments or any 2d stylistic adding additions to it oh yeah you can tell when you're watching it it looks cool yeah so like every every cg animated rendered frame has hand-drawn work on it um and those those are like the the split screen panels the thought balloons the dialogue boxes and and the, the written sound effects over those 3d renderings all to make it look like you've stepped into a comic book world and then just as the composer daniel pemberton um, emulated different musical styles for each character. Those kind of bleed into different comic styles, different animation styles for each Spider character. I guess for for um, one of the characters, Spider Ham, 
played by John Mulaney, or sorry, voiced by John Mulaney, the comedian. Um, Daniel Pemberton does more of a more of like kind of traditional slapstick music for for this character, and that's just to further emulate the 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 Spider Pigs um, or Spider Ham his his com, uh, comic book drawn style. Yeah, so Mark, if you want to jump in, and we can start talking about the music, and I'll stop jibber jabbering about all this nerdy comic stuff. Zip. Okay, so on the music side, though, um, let me see. So is you have two two sides for this movie. Um, one is the original score, which was written by Daniel Pemberton, and he's done some really cool stuff. He did Man from Uncle. He's done uh, Steve, Steve Jobs, Jobs. Ocean's he Eight, did the newest Ocean's Eight. Yeah. Or, and, there's yeah. only one in Ocean's Eight, and that's uh, the that's the too full many numbers. Yeah, that's the full female cast. And uh, Molly's Game is also another one. But Steve Jobs was his biggest one that um, kind of got him recognition. And then Man from Uncle with the sort of the jazzy flute take on um, on a James Bond score sort of thing. So for this one, it's so there's that side the score, and then there's also the whole album uh, that was where artists uh, wrote original music specifically for the movie. So you have people like Post Malone wrote uh, one of the, the main main songs that Miles actually sings, sort of hums to himself in the movie. Um, so that one has a cool cool scene. Uh, that one was called Sunflower. And then uh, who else? There's you a have Nicki Minaj, um, Thutmose. What's Up Danger was another one. Um, Start a Riot, Hide. Uh, there's so this whole album yeah the soundtrack the whole album soundtrack album um these songs were written specifically for the movie but they i mean they also had other songs in the movie too so but the ones that are on the album were written specifically for so like sunflower um so these were all written with specific moments of the movie in mind and then so uh daniel pemberton uses uh some of the, the styles of the songs seep into the way that the score is so since miles miles is a new spider-man character right so instead of being peter parker he's he's what is he? he's really young he's like he's in middle school yeah and he's instead of being from queens he's from brooklyn so he and he's also a street artist um he's goes around spray painting and and tagging things and and slapping his sticker artwork on on different street signs and everything so he listens to a lot of yeah so the soundtrack is kind of to emulate what a miles kid would actually listen to in brooklyn yeah uh-huh so it's a lot of like sort of house music trap music um yeah rap r&b yeah uh-huh it's really cool and then so a lot of the trap sounds may make it into the and what i mean by trap i mean like uh sort of electronic sort of daft punkish sort of uh yeah so all that kind of stuff makes it its way into the score and kind of fuses together with the orchestra sounds, a lot of horn sounds, a lot of brass. Um, so it's cool for Daniel Pemberton. He, a little bit about him. Yeah, so his early stuff, he's a he's a British composer. And so a lot of his early stuff he did with TV. So back when TV wasn't so popular, um, especially for British television shows, like before Downton Abbey and stuff like that, he was, nobody really cared about television music. So it gave him a good chance to um, 
experiment and push whatever he wanted to do with music because people kind of were ignoring it on television and didn't really take it too seriously. So he, it gave him a chance to do whatever he wanted. And so he got in really into like sampling different sounds and recording different sounds. Um, so he has tons of tapes of all these different sounds that he's recorded. And he remembers all of them. Uh, so if he needs a specific sound, he'll just pull it up on the tape and then loop it into his computer. So like he was talking about one a set of sounds that he did in a really, really deep well. He was just like making uh, clapping and snapping and different different mouth clicks and recording them. And then so he's used those a bunch of times too on some scores. Um, so Steve Jobs is where he kind of, his score for that kind of, he was trying to get more of a computery, computer technological uh, score for it. So a lot of beeps and clicks and stuff like that and a lot of... Um, echoes and moving around so that kind of that kind of thing ends up in spider-man also uh and he said he likes to do like okay so for a lot of times composers when they do different projects especially with orchestral sounds they'll have templates set up on their computer with uh specific instruments laid out like they know which strings they want to use which horns and everything but he likes to not do any of that. So he starts basically from scratch for each film. And then he said by the end of the film, then he basically has a template. But that template is only good for that film. So which is makes sense. But um, yeah, so he starts basically from scratch every time. And so for this one, he uses a ton of like sampled sounds to kind of build... Um, build like build like a, a track like a dj track basically um the same way that the artist wrote the the soundtrack songs and then so he builds a track and then he'll layer in the orchestra sounds and then the different themes that he wrote for for the movie also into these so the whole score is kind of a mix of really trap music and electronic music with a lot of orchestra not not a ton of orchestra though so i would say you know okay so we've talked about brian tyler before so he does a lot of you need crazy rich asians yeah he does a lot of orchestra recordings and then layers on electronic music but the way daniel pemberton approached this one is it kind of sounds more like a lot of electronic music so that if you take those those basic layers they could just be house tracks and then he layers in orchestra also but the orchestra never really takes over at all it's it's always under the electronic stuff so it sounds like it would come from something that miles would listen to yeah so so the basis is never really the orchestra it's more just the beat the the beats and the, the yeah the um, beat and the the house vibe and the yeah yeah mm-hmm. like the yeah like the pumping pump music yeah so um so actually, so the whole movie starts off with um, the intro with the 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 studio credits. So you have Sony's and then I think Paramount's also. And then so they do like kind of the, they ease you into the comic book glitch effect. And then so the music's also helping you with that. It's got a lot of distorted cracks and pops and then um, glitching sounds also to kind of get you prepared for what the look of the film's going to be oh, yeah. and then yeah that was really cool because what's the um what's that lady liberty type studio yeah paramount paramount yeah, yeah they, paramount. They, did a, they did a cool thing with the animation um in paramount 
uh, during that opening scene for that. Yeah, I noticed for that. that for that studio. I don't know where that came from. They introduce you into the like Mark was saying. They introduce you the, into the glitch effect, and then like right after the glitch, they use that as like um, it's like for a split second you see you see an animated hand drawn um, cowboy or cowgirl like shooting stuff, and then it glitches back into the Paramount figure. Yeah, but the music's doing doing a lot more of that. So one of the opening tracks, uh, the I think number two on the soundtrack, is called "Only One Spider Man," and uh, it gives you a feel for what the vibe's gonna be. So it kind of sounds like this. So you have that really, really heavy, heavily altered hi hat sound that that thing. So that's going. Yeah, the clicks. Yeah, and then, and then also in the first track, the he also Daniel Pemberton he also introduces the Miles Morales theme, sort of towards the end. I think was it this section. Yeah, so you get that 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 ascending line, the part that goes bum bum bum. So yeah, that thing, and then so that keeps going, and then so that yeah, that sets you up for the style of the movie pretty much. And then what was another cool track? Oh, Visions Brooklyn. Okay, yeah, this one was really cool. The when he's in, he's walking through school and his awkward middle middle school years. It sounds like this. Is that the one where, with all the thought, bu- the animated thought bubbles, like after he's gotten bit and he's like, "Why are my pants so small? Yeah, uh-huh. why am I sweaty? Yeah, so all those those is this little... in slow motion? Yeah, uh huh, exactly. So though he uses a lot of uh, sampling for those, like bouncing around the different effects. So um, it sounds it's when he's walking down the hall uh, and people are looking at him. So the bouncing the bouncing little bleeps and everything uh, kind of feel like uh, people's eyes watching you back and forth as you walk down the hallway and then and even his thoughts like kind of bouncing around yeah uh-huh so he's he's very hectic and and just anxious um, thinking why is everybody looking at me what, what did I do and stuff like that and then um, well they saw him do something <laughs> embarrassing <laughs> yeah but then the whistling also um, is kind of like sort of a callback to uh, rap music sort of where they have like a hook in the song in the intro or something and then so he uses um, that as an interesting little ear candy to to latch onto and get your attention so all that kind of that's just to mix the mesh the uh, the soundtrack a lot better with the score so it sounds like one cohesive one cohesive thing and um, I think somebody on YouTube actually arranged it so 
that all the tracks from the two albums are in order. So, so you can go through and listen to the songs. So you can go through and listen to the songs and the score in order of the movie, which was neat. Oh yeah, that's nice cuz yeah. Usually sometimes when these albums come out, they're never they're they're not in order. Yeah. Um actually the score for this one isn't even available on CD yet. So right. I was waiting for this to come out, but hopefully I mean, it, it does. It is available on Apple iTunes. Yeah, but um, I wanted a CD cuz I liked it. Yeah, but like the soundtrack the soundtrack with all the various artists like Nicki Minaj and Post Malone, they're not in order. Um, I think they they're structured more by like how a typical album would be structured. Like what's what's the f- one of the most popular songs that we can put at the yeah. top to kit to catch the uh, catch the ear of whoever's browsing through the album. Yeah, they ordered them so that they flow the best for if you're just listening to the album. Yeah, not necessarily for the order that they happened in the movie yeah um which some make, other yeah which makes our job a little harder yeah some other cool <laughs> styles though um he uh so for the score there's a scene where he's being chased uh by a security guard and it's it's mostly a percussion track there's a lot of drums there's a lot of there's a lot of drums bongos uh drum set there's a bass guitar providing some melodic movement and then a, a really cool tinky triangle um so it's kind of a tinky triangle (laughs) yeah so it's kind of like a i think it's a cool beat but mostly with percussion stuff so it sounded uh like this Yeah, so when the drums come in, they're very off kilter and it's really hard to latch onto a beat. And that's also because um, Miles is basically fumbling all over himself, trying to run away from the security guard. And he's sticking to all the walls and everything, and he's not sure what's going on, so he's kind of freaking out. So it's really, really annoying to try to latch onto a beat for this song. But that's that's also helps to portray why Miles is so awkward and what's going on with him. And then when you hear the timpani come in with the doom, doom, boom, boom, that's the security guard guy because he's like this big kind of hulking, hulking guy walking down the hallway. So that's that's his part when he's uh, looking for Miles. Yeah, it's very comical how they decide to do that scene because it's like, it's like your typical almost good superhero guy running away from the bad guy kind of before or... or um Oh, you know, yeah. if you would if you would imagine like a Tom and Jerry scene, um, yeah, Tom finds himself trying to catch Jerry. I'm not sure where this is going, but catch Jerry, and then Jerry's big dog friend shows up to stop Tom. Yeah, and it's kind of it's very it's very kind of like comical, like that, um, more of like a throwback to to the uh, those those classic comics um, animated shows. Yeah, I also have here's another clip from the security guard one. So it's also got that kind of spy feel because of the triangle and then um, the way that the the drum set rhythm is sort of swung and it's not exactly just a straight for like rock and roll style beat. So it feels a lot like a chase scene but set in a sort of spy thriller kind of way, especially with the bongos. 
Mission Impossible. Man from Uncle. Oh, Man from Uncle too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. He's a lot of yeah. Bongos in Man from Uncle. Yeah, that sounds just like just like a track from Man from Uncle. That sort of style. Yeah, I liked it. It was neat. So he, I think he actually did bring that back too for the one of the other chase scenes, sort of where they're they're flying through the city, um, and he's dragging one of the Spider Men by the subway oh peter b parker yeah uh-huh yeah and then okay so so throughout the movie miles has his own theme he sort of has two themes he's got the one more competent or he's got the one more contemplative one with the the horns sliding up and down which i'll play for you in a second and then he's got another one that's more of his like heroic theme which is basically using the same notes but playing them in a different way um so here this is uh, what track is this? This is track 11 uh, called Mi Amor. And it's, uh, it shows, you'll hear the horn part where it's more vulnerable and more exposed. And um, I'll explain in a second. Yeah, so that horn, uh, where the solo horn where it's sliding up, um, that's a very exposed part for the horn player, and it's um, it kind of makes it's used for the more vulnerable moments where Miles is kind of unsure of what he's doing, or he's leaning on his family uh, for help, or he kind of lets down the other spider friends. Spider friends? <laughs> that doesn't sound right. <laughs> The amazing <laughs> spider friends yeah uh-huh so that's used for when he's more exposed and less less sure of himself and then his other theme comes back which which was the one that i talked about in the first track only one spider-man that's used for the more heroic thing where it's going bum 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 oh no the one that goes bum 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 those are in octave all octaves also Those are in octaves, but then his solo horn, the vulnerable one, um, is also an octave jump. So it goes from the low octave to the high octave. But it moves in the same direction. So it's kind of the same, same motion, just played differently, which is resourceful. Well, yeah, I mean, it's also good to use the same, mo- well, similar octave motifs so that you're not reinventing the wheel all the time. There's there's like, sometimes to create something new, you just have to like either use the same rhythm with a different melody or different different style, or vice versa, use the same melody with a different rhythm. Um, yeah. So that kind of helps just to latch on to uh, yeah. as a listener. And you keep the, uh, basically painting miles with the same colors, um, but just using different, kind of different style yeah mm-hmm. the other thing is he daniel pemberton introduces miles theme before we even meet miles it's one of the it's in one of the very early tracks of the whole movie and then it's threaded throughout so by the time you hear it at the end when miles finally does what he set out to do um it feels like you're coming home basically and that you've heard it this whole time and now you're like oh finally now we're here 
You mean yeah. like Spider-Man Homecoming? No. Uh, <laughs> see what I did there? No pun intended. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. so the next yeah. track, uh, track 12, Spider Training. This also has a version of Miles' theme. So here, I'm just going to play it real quick and then I'll explain. So the other thing for that track is the strings. Uh, so this this track is less on the trap side and less on the house music, but it's still got the hi hat, the t- 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 and then the lower strings are actually playing the same uh, pattern, the same rhythmic pattern that the bass drum would be playing if it was a, a trap set. Yeah, so the strings are playing that beat the one, two, three, four, Yeah, and then the horns come in with the Miles' theme again. Yeah. And then, Out of Shape Spider-Man, which is my favorite, (laughs) Peter, what's his name? Peter B. Parker? Yep, Peter B. Parker. He he has sort of his own own theme himself. Um, There's actually MJ. It's MJ's theme, really. So MJ has sort of a thing, and anytime she comes up, it's a a solo piano, and then a really, really, really overdramatic soap opera strings section comes in. And so that kind of sounds like this. Yeah, and then that was funny also because they even it even sort of sounds more like an anime thing where their eyes get all big and then they start to the the white circles in their eyes start to wobble and and well up. They got to tear up and everything, yeah, and then uh-huh. super so, dramatic and strings drawn out, and the moment is just yeah. So that actually that theme actually comes back a couple <laughs> times, which I thought was funny because it becomes sort of its its own joke. Yeah, moving on. Anyway, so the really cool part. Finally, we get to the other spider people. So Aunt, the in the track Ant May and the Spider Shed, um, Daniel Pemberton. Uh, let's okay. So the this is where they introduce the other spider of uh, their Spider Man characters. So you have the noir one, Spider Ham, Gwen Stacy, obviously, and then uh, what was the lady? Penny Parker. And then Penny Parker also. Um, so P and I. Yeah, and she's the the anime character style one. So she has the uh, psychic link between a spider. I don't know how that happened, but there's a, there's a story there. So um, there's different musical styles for each of the six different Spider-Man characters. So the nor- the nor the film noir universe. Um, Pemberton said he was influenced by Max Steiner, who wrote Gone with the Wind in the uh, 1933 King Kong, and then also Bernard Herrmann, um, sort of going for the Bernard Herrmann style of uh north by northwest citizen kane um psycho so it's kind of the the noir the noir spider-man voiced by nicholas cage was 
Pemberton tried to use like a Bernard Herrmann style score for this. Um, and then uh, you have the Looney Tunes version, the Spider-Ham, which uh, is, that's about as cartoony as you can get. So for film scoring, that's actually, it's it's so cartoony, it even has its own term. It's called Mickey Mousing, and that's where you, like say somebody falls down a stairs, so you have a bunch of strings or a piano going, falling downward, falling downward. So you have that or uh, different sound effects sort of things. Um, it's also a lot lot more percussion instruments used. Um, there's a flexitone thing that kind of makes a wobbly sound. Um, some other funky percussion instruments that you really don't get a chance to use. Um, he said, he actually, Pemberton actually said the most difficult one was spider ham because it's just so complicated and cartoon music is, is very note intensive. There's a lot of, a lot of runs, um, fast moving melodies and everything. And there's just a lot going on that could happen within like a span of three seconds even. So yeah, um, in this, this track, Aunt May and the Spider Shed, you hear, first you hear, it cycle through the film noir. Oh, okay. First you hear Miles's theme and then the film noir one and then Penny's anime version and then the Spider-Ham's Looney Tunes sort of uh, cartoony Mickey Mousing style. And I'll point them out. So there's that exposed horn again where Miles Miles's theme comes back. then it's shifting into the film noir film noir version the bernard herman style so you have those cluster chords and then it goes into the anime version the This is almost really like sort a, of this is almost like a video game style yeah, animation. Video game style. She has her own typical. She has her own specific animation style, which is very much like Japanese anime. Um, so if you think of any kind of anime fight scene, where she, you know they jump up, and then all of a sudden you see like streaks of light flying past them to show that they're moving super fast and jumping really high. Well, that's basically what Penny Parker looks like. When during these action scenes, and what Daniel Pemberton has done is he's kind of created her own sound too. Yeah, and then okay, so the next part of the track. And then this next section cycles through all the all the different themes really, really quickly because uh, they're they're all sort of testing Miles each one individually. So it cycles through their themes really, really fast.
Yeah, so that one's really cool because all the themes cycle through each other like three times within within 30 seconds. And they're all... Uh, he said it was really challenging to make that seamless, but um, he said it was a lot of fun to try and merge all the different styles. Okay, and then in track 38... So yeah, that one also had in the beginning Miles's solo horn theme. And then later in the movie... Track 38, it's, it's called Miles Morales Returns. That's when we get his his theme, like, full blown out to the fully orchestrated and with um, with the full set of trap music, and it's not as exposed anymore, and it's not vulnerable anymore, and it's more heroic and more, um, more thrilling, I would say. He's taken that leap of faith and found out who he is deep down. Yeah, so that's what this one sounds like. Yeah, so he's like maturing as a character. Yep, very triumphant. So just like how Miles Miles Miles's character changes throughout the film, um, his theme actually also changes with him. So his theme in the beginning is um, mostly the solo horn stuff, and then by the end, it's this kind of full uh, maxed out, this full maxed out version, real techno-y and real uh, real thrilling, and uh, with a pulsing beat, and uh, it's more confident, I'd say. And then also we also get that. That solo horn line recreated in this next track, uh, which is track 42, the shoulder touch. And it's the horn slide is recreated with more electronic distorted synth sounds. And so it's a lot less vulnerable sounding and more like he's in control now. Right there, the when the trap music comes in with the the hi hat, the yeah, that track also sounds a lot like "What's Up, Danger" from the soundtrack. Yeah, which I'm gonna play that too. Don't worry. So a lot of the that's where one case where the score and the soundtrack kind of merge finally. And then yeah, since we just heard that one, so here's "What's Up, Danger," which is the the soundtrack version. Also get the you also get the prowlers theme from that. Yeah, um, you get the prowlers like yeah, it's like a drone, but it's it's really distorted and it's like sets you on edge. Like it, it makes it sound like it goes really well with his electronic or his um his electronic technology claws and boots and yeah his like glowy boots and... or his glowy claws. And then the other song that I really thought was a good moment when. Um, this is not a spoiler, so don't worry. 
it's early in the movie, so it's kind of a spoiler, but it's not really a spoiler. So when um, one of the Spider-Men dies, they play this song, um, Scared of the Dark. And I didn't think of this till later, but I was, I was wondering if it's like their version of a reference to Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark from the musical. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so, but it's, yeah. it's still it's a similar title. But anyway, here's that what it sounds like. I'm not scared of the dark. I'm not running, running, running. No, I'm not afraid of the fall. I'm not scared, not at all. Why would a star, a star ever be afraid of the dark? I'm not scared. And I think it's actually from the, uh, it's not so much a spoiler because Chris Pine, who plays one of the Spider-Man characters, um, he's part of Miles Morales' universe. Um, and so since this movie takes place in an alternate universe, different from our own, um, this Miles character was created in, twenty, I think, 2014 um, by one of the comic book writers and in his universe, Spider-Man dies, and Miles is then chosen to take up the mantle of Spider-Man. Um, so it's not so much a spoiler. If you're familiar with Miles Morales, um, which I wasn't before this movie, um, that that's just all part of his origin story. Yeah. So this song, it's it takes place when Miles is walking to the cemetery to Peter Parker's grave. And so the lyrics kind of sound like they're coming from from him in his head, sort of, to kind of uh, saying he's not scared of the dark because he knows he has to do something or pick up where Peter Parker left off. But it's, it's not a very heroic or triumphant kind of way of saying it. So it's kind of like he's trying to convince himself that he's not afraid and that he can do it, even though he really doesn't think he can and it's kind of a it's a it's a good scene because a lot they also show other civilians uh in the city like reading the news that spider-man died so it's kind of more of a collective collective feeling yeah and then his parents see it on news and yeah and stuff and so it was a really good scene yeah it's really great it's a good song to kind of illustrate how much hope they lost because you know spider-man He's an icon for Hope in New York City or in, in Brooklyn. Um, yeah. So the and, song is, it feels like everybody's trying to convince themselves that it's going to be okay. Yeah, it's not completely hopeless. Yeah. But, you know, it's, 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 you can only convince yourself so much before it's like, oh, now what do you do? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like one of those, the songs that, so a song, one of the, there's a one musical, I can't think of which one it's from, but there's a song where the two characters are singing about how much they hate the idea of love, but they're two characters who are falling in love. So it's kind of like that situation where the song is saying, I'm not scared of the dark, but everybody actually is because 
Spider-Man's gone. So there's <laughs> no hope anymore. <laughs> so it's, I don't know what you call it, double entendre? That's not it. It's not a double entendre. Double entendre. Ironic? It's not ironic. Yeah. It's uh, opposite day. I guess opposite, opposite, opposite day. Opposite day works, day. okay. <laughs> yeah, so that was one of my favorite musical moments, or like song moments. Um, there were a lot of songs in the score in the movie, though. So I would recommend listening to the CD at least of the different songs before the, very, the soundtrack. The, the soundtrack, yeah, 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 yeah. The artist songs that they wrote, um, because that's not going to ruin anything for you. And it's a good soundtrack to listen to to pump yeah. you up to watch the movie. Yeah, and the, also some of the songs they actually. The lyrics, um, some of the rap verses also mention Miles or or Parker. Or yeah, some of them mention Peter Parker and allude to Spider-Man instances. Yeah. Like swinging through the city, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess, like specifically Start a Riot by Duckworth. Um, one of the, Some of the lyrics go, like, I'm shooting webs, like, worldwide. I don't need no super suit. Web slinging through the trenches. Um... I try to be friendly in the neighborhood. So those are all very much like Spider-Man, Spider-Man references. They're <laughs> um, not hiding it at all. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then even even the one that the one that you were talking about, Peter Parker, like that one's Elevate. Oh yeah, um, okay, by DJ Kelly. Yeah, I couldn't think of the name. Also mentions Peter Parker. Um he's like I'm a web slinger, jump out the window, put the mask on, which is this is very this is getting very literal. <laughs> yeah. Um you're facing your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I'm Peter Parker running through six. So that's very specific to the movie. Yeah, very specific. Not not at all talking about it in a literary literary sense as a yeah. metaphor, but actually literally saying I'm Peter Parker. Yeah. Which is one of the benefits of having people actually write specifically for the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So it turned out well. The mix of score and the soundtrack was also great. Yeah, it, it worked really well together. And that they uh, interchange a lot, too. So a lot of the times you're hearing the score and you, you're not sure if it's going to turn into a song or, like, if it's the intro of a song or if it's going to lead into a song. Um, that's how well they they match styles and kept a cohesive sound throughout the whole film. It was great. I loved it. I thought it was also cool that uh, Daniel Pemberton used Bernard Herrmann style for the Spider-Man war. <laughs> it was so awesome. Wherever I go, the wind follows and the wind smells like rain. Thank you, Nicolas Cage, for that wonderful performance. I think he was made, Nicolas Cage was made to be a voice actor. Can't be. He's, he's very good as, an, as a Spider-Man noir, a dark Spider-Man. <laughs> Sometimes I, think, I let a match yeah. burn right down to my fingers just so I can feel something, anything. Oh. <laughs> A lot of like, the th- a lot of the things he sa- a lot of the things he says too. If you if you don't you you could easily miss them and oh yeah they're very they're very good and once you catch them like they're hard to they're hard to forget about yeah like they're the kind of quotable lines that you look for in a movie I caught more of them the second time through so go see it twice at least yeah I mean I'm gonna go, I would, I want to go see it again me too yeah that'll be my third time yeah but because they just did a really good job um. They just did a flat out good job, and I'm, I would be the style, the look of the movie, the yeah. sound. I mean, it was even nominated. Story. It's nominated for best animated feature at the seventy sixth Globe or Golden Globe Awards, 
And it's also nominated for Best Animated Feature at the 24th Critics' Choice Awards, which I don't even know if anybody watches, but it's nominated for both of those Best Animated Features. And so I think I think Sony's really... They, they've known for a while, and now they're just starting to really dive into it, but they've known that, yes, okay, like, there's a superhero, clearly a superhero trend going on, and... Um, and and they're trying to build their own kind of Marvel universe with the Marvel uh, intellectual property that they own, like Spider-Man and his Spider-Man universe. And that's why I think we're seeing more of these more of these things. And Sony's not Sony's not like your typical big studio machine. They're not they're not scared of taking risks like this. Um, and um, Miller and Lord, they're perfect. They're the perfect group of people to take these risks. Philip Lord and Christopher Miller, the producers, you know, they were, they were going to direct Solo, the Star Wars story. They actually, and they actually got booted because they were taking too long because they wanted it to be more of an organic and improvised process and kind of take some more risks that Lucasfilm didn't want to take. Um, and so, like, they're, they're very good. They're very good at giving the audience a whole bunch of information, like, you know all these different characters from Spider-Man and the different universes, and all this, all these things going on, and the details and the backstories of each one. They're very good at giving you all of that ton of information, but condensing it down into a kind of a more palatable thing to understand. The film's doing so well that Sony's greenlit a second Spider-Man like this, um, kind of the sequel to this. That's also it's supposed to be f- featuring Miles Morales and more of Gwen Stacy. And then they're also thinking about doing a full um, Spider-Woman movie with all the different Spider-Women of the Spider-Verse. I mean, I think the the risk that they took with the the story, the style, um, doing a new animation process, a new pipeline, um, pushing it, and even musically with Daniel Pemberton, it, it, it's, it's, it's really paying off and, and it's kind of cool. I think so. I like the music. So I hope they come out with a CD. And not just the MP3s, because I'd get the CD too. All right, everybody, thank you for listening to our special episode, um, episode twenty-six, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. If you want to find out more, you can always visit us at akiyamamusic.com. Be sure to subscribe, share this with your friends. This is the last episode of the year, and then starting January, sometime in January, we'll be starting our second season for the podcast. So stay tuned for a special fun episodes that we're going to try and do for that seasonal anniversary. You can always find out more in the show notes. Take a look at that Moment Ambassador program link that gets you 10% off your first purchase. You can also support us on our Patreon page. And if you haven't, definitely go see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I recommend the music very highly. The score and the songs. Soundtrack is all great. It's really, really cool. Oh yeah, Um, fantastic. Tens across the board. Anyway, thank you again for listening and thank you to the new subscribers and uh, hope you tune into the next episode. Thank yes, you. Yes, thank you, everybody. All right, bye. All right, happy bye-bye. Happy holidays. Happy holidays and a happy new year. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Okay, cool. Thank Me you. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Bye. Does whatever a spider can. <laughs> <laughs>